fast, efficient and affordable business-grade hosting solutions, domain registration, SSL certificates and more. We also monitor and provide website security and update services, website builds, email hosting amongst other sensational products. If you have a question about your web page or your presence on the internet in general, no job is too big or too small. Visit our website today or better yet, contact us at blueoceanwebhosting.com.au and leave your website issues to us. Big ones, little ones, fiddly ones, powerful ones. The ones for the car or the truck, caravan, boat, mobility scooter, solar system. In fact, for any kind of battery, go straight to Battery Central Ipswich. They'll even help you when you know what you need to power but have no idea what'll do the job. Battery Central Ipswich, 280 Brisbane Street, West Ipswich, behind the yellow building. Expert advice, better batteries, best prices, every day. That's Battery Central Ipswich. Welcome to episode 746 of the Aussie Tech Heads. I'm Jason Oakley and this is Will Tompkinson. Hey, Will. Hey, mate. What's going on, man? What's going on? Um, yeah, what a weird, weird, weird weather week. A Again? Weird, a weird week of weather. Do you ever have any normal weather? We had, like, last week, massive storms and hail, and this week we've had, um, like, two and three and four degree nights and, like, 30 degree days, and apparently <laughs> as of, like, the weekend, we're supposed to have a massive rain front come through, and it's supposed to be raining almost continuously for the next two weeks. Oh, jeez. We're so, supposed to get a bit of rain, but I don't know if it's going to be that bad. It's weird but uh definitely been muggy that's for sure yep it's not too bad saying 25 in here at the moment but that's i like i like the um somebody had said on twitter he, he says is this uh guy his wife comes out in the morning and he goes it's a bit muggy today outside and she says i swear to god if all of our coffee mugs are out on the front lawn i'm yeah. gonna kill you <laughs> and he says Quietly sips his coffee from a soup bowl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, you know, we've had, had, uh, I mean, from work, we've been busy because we've been getting the website sort of trying to work properly on mobile devices and, uh, and small screens. Yeah. Um, and we launched our, or officially launched our online store on monday so you can buy stuff from anywhere in the country you don't Um, even have to talk to will anymore well you do if you're on freight because just give him your money (laughs) freight's um (laughs) freight's anything that we're still complicated yeah we're still we're still fighting with freight somewhat um as at the moment things are so weird with freight what they're doing and what you can and can't do and how they're changing stuff and prices so but at least uh, you can go to you know batterycentralipswitch.com slash or stockholm.au slash shop. And uh, wait, is it a shop or store? No, we sell it on shop. shop then we went shop, then we went store, then we went shop, <laughs> then we went store. <laughs> I can't remember what we ended up with. Just go to the front page and click on the shopping trolley. Yeah, the shopping trolley, yeah. Follow us on Facebook as well. You can, we put specials and stuff up on there. And um, we do the Instagrams and the, the tweets and the, I don't know. Whatever else. All the things. Mm. Went too far. <laughs> Thought oh, I'll start doing I'll start doing some YouTube videos. I'm gonna do some um some basic educational how to's on YouTube. I got all ready, got all set up, got all the stuff ready to go, hit record on the camera. You know, please insert memory card link. Well, 
Hang on a minute. Last time I used this camera, it had a memory card in it. <laughs> and it's been in a box since I moved. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, look, yep, no memory card. Okay. Yeah. So I spent the next uh, several hours hunting the st- <laughs> for a memory card. <laughs> why? 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 Is it just why? SD? Micro. Micro SD, yep. And uh, it was in the box. Uh, it was just in a random box that I had no right to be in. Like, it wasn't with... <laughs> Anything at all that resembled, what, and I still don't know why it wasn't in the camera. But so that's a good way Gremlins. to waste. Good way to waste a day just try, running, opening every box in the shop trying to find a memory. And a <laughs> micro SD. Yeah. Wheels walking around the shop. I've lost my memory. I've lost my memory. <laughs> I mean, ironically, I've got a, I've got a. Uh, I don't know if you can see because it's green, it doesn't show up. But there's about, I don't know, there's about ten micro SDs sitting in <laughs> in it right here. So I've got a heap of them. I still have any yeah. at work. And by the time I finally found one and put it in the camera, I had left the camera on. So the camera was then flat. <laughs> so it's on charge. I'm like, nah, that's it. I'm starting fresh tomorrow. <laughs> Next time, gadget. Uh, so, but uh, Everyone's been well apart from that? Yeah, it's all been pretty swell, sane as one can expect for the way things are at the moment. Yeah. So... But um, I got Monday off picking up my daughter's friend from the airport. He's going to come stay for a month, so I'll take a week off work and drive him all over the place. He stayed for a month one one week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was really only a week. It just felt like a month. Yeah, <laughs> I did that in Sydney one month. Well, it was only yep. it was only five days, but I swear I was there for a month. <laughs> felt like it. <laughs> oh, that was horrible. I've never yeah. been anywhere that... That's the only place I've ever had that effect on me. Yeah. It was for work experience. The only cool part was I was working... I was did, I scored IBM as my work experience place. Oh, nice. So I was, I was in their main headquarters and factory and repair center and data center there at, at, in Sydney. Um, but that was the only good thing about it. Eh? Like, it, oh, yeah, I was there... I was there, um, you know, school work experience. We got there... Sunday lunchtime-ish and left um, about Saturday lunchtime following well, the end of that week. But I swear I was there for over a month. Like, it just... It Dragged on. It was so bad. It didn't help that we were staying in a university dorm. All uh, right. Um, that had no uni students in it, uh. oddly, even though the uni was apparently at capacity. So there was an upside. <laughs> no. Because, you want to have lots of students around. Well, I would have liked to have some. Like Dad said, it was a ghost town. There was yeah. we're in this wing of this old. I don't know what I can't remember what uni it was. One of their old, like it was old clay brick, like really old red brick uni. Yep. And it must have been a good, you know, one one of the old original ones. It's probably 150 year old, like or you know, 120 year old. It was massive, big old thing. And all the classrooms and that have been modernised. And they were over the back of the uni. That was fine. But the the dorm wings were like... You could basically take... If you took the doors off and replaced them with with bars, yep. it would, it reminds me of... you ever seen um, like movies or, or YouTube tours of like Alcatraz? Yep. It was basically exactly like, like that. that. <laughs> but with like... A slightly more comfortable bed. <laughs> Did you see the the billionaire who's announced he's building a new dorm over in the US for university students, and they're going to be 
rooms that are about as big as your toilet room and have one bed, no windows, and that's it. Oh, they're like Japanese pods. Yeah. And he's going to build a ton of them. And he said, the reason is not because it's very cheap. It'll encourage people to go out and socialize because they can't just sit there looking out the window. You've seen the pod hotels in Japan? Yeah. The capsule or capsule hotels, I guess they call it. It's like in Fifth Element, Lilu Dallas Multipass. No, it makes them look They went into a sleep pod. Oh, yeah, in the sleep pod. (laughs) But this is like their their daily... Whole room. Yeah, like this is their their room that they live in. Like, it's just... Yeah. You know, it's nuts. It's like... (sighs) No. Don't need much. (laughs) But I can't, like... I can't. I couldn't do it. I hope it. they're well ventilated. They'll have... I mean, there's ventilation. There's obviously noise issues. Yeah. But, I mean, just the fact that you're in a six-foot-long and three-foot-wide and three-foot-high... You wouldn't even fit in it. You're too tall. Well, yeah. That's... Um, and there's a... There's a Another one I was watching a guy on YouTube. He's staying in a um. Uh, they've got new ferries that go the full length of Japan from the top to the bottom, um, and they have three levels of accommodation. They got first class, which is like a, what you'd expect a normal sort of um, first class to be. Yep. Um, then they've got the normal, um, like. I guess economy, which is sort of like a, well, the economy you can actually see in this photo here. The economy ones, the one on the right. So that's the economy one. It looks like a normal bed. You've got your your bunk underneath is your storage for your bag and stuff. Yep. And at least you've got like a a room with that's like a four foot wide bed, so it's like a king single. Um, and there's a TV and stuff in there. And then you've got where that guy is. You've got the pod room. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Well, that, you know, that's not two photos. That's the, 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 I guess, economy room. Yep. They put one bed in and then they put two, there's two pods. There's one under him and where he is. And there's another <laughs> economy bed on the other side. Oh, right. But that whole area where that is, is the room for the first class. Right. Like they get that whole thing. <laughs> so... And the, the dumb part is the tickets aren't that much different. It's like, I don't know, whatever it is. Let's say it's 100 yen for a pod. Yep. It's like 120 for an economy and like 150 for a king or for a <laughs> first class. Um, and it's all um, vending machines. Oh, There's okay. no... Or one of, them's, one of them's got a restaurant that opens for two hours at breakfast, two hours at lunch and two hours at dinner. Yep. But most, pretty much all the other ones, there's just about 30 vending machines. With everything you can think of, <laughs> everything from clothes, towels, um, alcohol, wet weather gear, alcohol, toys, munchies, actual meals like pizza. Then they got their like English food as well, as yep. well as just Japanese stuff. And I mean, it's pretty neat. But damn, it's like seriously, like <laughs> you know, insert a ten thousand yen note for your bowl of ramen. Um, yeah, pretty yeah. much. You know. But the, what I found funny was um, these pod hotels and stuff, they look great. Like, everyone thinks, oh, they're, you know, saving room and, and whatever. But 
when they um when you go down like the back alleys and you take a photo from like the back side of the hotels <laughs> <laughs> they're like it's like somebody's just got a whole heap of washing machines and just randomly stacked them on top of each other. <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> and that's what you're sleeping in. You're, you're overhanging. Half of your pod isn't attached to anything, dude. It's just sitting there. <laughs> you wouldn't want to be claustrophobic, would you? Can I not have that one, please? <laughs> so, yeah. No, but... Um, and, and that's... Um, I mean, I get it. He's kind of right... I guess in some regards it is cheap accommodation but he's forgetting one thing with uni students when they go go out for a night out on the town they don't generally come back alone no <laughs> so thump, thump, thump. I'm not quite sure how well pod accommodation would work in that situation <laughs> if these pods are rocking <laughs> yeah they're all actually individually slung sort of free floating so that yeah. they don't touch the other ones <laughs> uh could you imagine really? you forgetting in like, because some of these, I'm looking at uh, pictures of them in, in hallways, and yep. some of them are like three and four high. Could you imagine staying in a hotel forgetting that you're four pods up and getting out to yep. go for a leak in the middle of the night? <laughs> Especially if you're drunk. Uh, I don't think you'd want to be drunk in one of those things. No. <laughs> you wouldn't have a bucket near you. I'm actually, I was watching a guy, um, uh, Ghost Town Living, he bought a, he bought a, uh, Cerro Gordo, mining town, um, at, at the start of the pandemic. And coincidentally, he didn't like buy it, and the pandemic started. But, um, but he has been basically refurbing it and rebuilding it and whatever over the last couple of years. And um, to celebrate his, I think it was his hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube. Yeah. He um, went down to one of the mines and set up a, a, a set up a. Um, I guess you'd call it like his he's going to call it like his hotel room from now on he's yep. got a bed down there and he's got a chair and he put fake AstroTurf down he set a bar up with all the alcohol on it <laughs> <laughs> it's like his little yeah. retreat now <laughs> well yeah because you want to be in a mine shaft that's the only light he has artificial light obviously from his from his uh, lights from his cameras and when yep. he turns those off it's pitch black because he's 600 foot down yeah, in the mine shaft. There's nothing. <laughs> and like, because you want to be in a in a mine shaft, a creepy mine shaft with all these noises and pitch black, and you want to be half cut. Yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly where I'd want to be. <laughs> Sounds like fun, right? <laughs> Sounds like something. I don't know. Fun's something. the word I'd use. <laughs> Sounds like medieval torture, actually. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so we uh, should thank our people at the top. We should, but I'm not gonna. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. We thank our Patreon supporters and our uh, coffee buyers and our PayPalers and our direct de- direct debitors and uh, all that sort of stuff. Um, it really helps us out. Helps us keep the show running. Keeps us uh, operational, as it were. Um, and plus, it gives us a reason to do it too. Because if you know, now that we've actually got people, uh, you know, backing us and whatever, we kind of have to do the show. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, we're gonna do it last Except week. if we haven't got any internet at our house last week. No, last week was your fault because you're sick. And you said the, your internet was out in the morning at work. It, it at was. Home. It was all morning until about like seven o'clock that night. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> oh, so you could have done it. That was weird. That that was a rolling, a rolling um, data sh- blackout. That was so bizarre. Yeah. It had, um, Aussie broadband 
they actually had a thing on it. I, I was going. I was actually going to talk about it. I completely forgot. Um, but they had a like they normally just bring a press release saying I've solved the problem, but they actually found it so interesting. They released an article on what happened and how, and they're still not one hundred percent sure exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. But for some bizarre reason, as per usual, one a switch fried or went haywire, and instead of um, just dying in the usual way, and then the backup take place and reroute the, the the data, it would kind of work to the point where all the checks would say, "Okay, data's getting through." So it would, even though data wasn't actually getting through it, it was letting the test data go through I guess and the nodes didn't realise they had to switch to the backups ah. and so for like an hour there wouldn't be any internet because this router that's not doing anything is everything saying it's working and then it would like overheat completely and reboot and in that like hour period where it was cooling down and rebooting and do its thing it would switch to the backup and we'd have internet again <laughs> and then like an hour later this bad router would come back up and take the internet back and you'd lose internet and it's like <laughs> <laughs> It was the weirdest thing. They couldn't figure it. It took them like eight or ten hours to work out what the problem was because yep. nothing was actually wrong in terms of everything was functioning the way it was supposed to function, except this router was in- intermittently, when it was functioning, was actually failed, and when it wasn't functioning, the system was working. <laughs> so they Somebody was, put it on an inverter. <laughs> so they were slightly confused as to what the hell was going on, and then they noticed this router rebooting like every hour. And just yep. coincided every time this router come back up, they'd lose internet. And they're like, okay, well, let's just turn it off and see what happens. I mean, it can't oh, it hurt, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing else to lose at this point. And yeah, they switched this router off and the internet come back up. And they're like, oh, okay. I don't know if it was a router or a switch or yep. whatever it was, but whatever this particular piece of hardware was, <laughs> it's um, it, it, the weird, yeah, by it, the, what, its fail mode was functional. It was functional. <laughs> <laughs> so they're not they're like okay we don't have a plan b for that because that's not something that's ever happened before yeah you know now and, they do well not really like they, they you can't there's no way to to monitor for its particular fail condition because the packets that they're sending that like link all everything together and tell everything that everything's working was so getting was through fine. Yeah, yeah. That was working, but throughput data on the internet wasn't working. <laughs> Even though, because it said it was. It said, yes, I'm seeing data. Yes, I'm re- receiving data. Yes, I'm transmitting data. So, the ch- as far as it was concerned, it was actually working. <laughs> it's just the data wasn't physically getting through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, then they said there's no way to monitor for that because it thinks it's working. Yeah. <laughs> No, what do you do? Like, you know, so the system to detect system failures has failed and <laughs> yeah. cannot detect. Cannot detect a failure. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's basically what it was. So that was yeah. So that was twelve. What it went out at? Well, it started getting weird. It started slowing down and bouncing some sites at about nine, and then by like eleven. It pretty much had shut down completely. You'd get sporadic data come through um, on and off over the next sort of... Uh, yeah, and then by... I know Ipswich come back up first. It come back up just before I left work at around five. Yep. And then we got it back here a couple of hours later. 
So uh-huh. it's a progressive restore. Um, so yeah, it's basically 12 hours, more or less. Wow, it's uh, nuts. Which, which, thankfully, um, we've got like 500 gig on our phone, so it, just <laughs> it, it wasn't a problem. So, not that I have a story, but I saw Telstra is releasing an $85 one terabyte 4G plan. Oh, okay. Yeah, for people who can't get NBN. They also said that they're going to let more people get 5G as well now. Well, that's what that article said, but I don't understand because they're saying that they guarantee speed to remain above 340 meg or whatever. Uh, and to do so, they're restricting numbers per postcode. Uh. I'm like, oh, okay, but how do you explain 5G then if you can't if you can't handle the throughput of your 4G customers? Yeah. How do you do five? <laughs> how are you going to do your five? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, if you're slow on network, you're struggling to maintain, then how are you going to operate a faster network if the slower network's already backlogged and that's what the... I don't know. <laughs> it didn't make sense when I was reading it and it still doesn't make sense when I'm thinking about it. Uh, well, we'll do some news. Microsoft surpassed Apple's market cap on Friday to become the world's most valuable public company. The change follows Apple's Thursday earnings, where the company posted strong results, but revealed that it lost $6 billion to supply chain constraints. On Tuesday, Microsoft also shared positive earnings boosted by Office, Windows, and its cloud products. At Friday's market close, Microsoft's market cap was almost $2.49 trillion, while Apple's was about $2.46 trillion. This isn't the first time Microsoft has passed Apple. The Windows maker surpassed Apple's market cap in 2018 for the first time since 2010, and once again in July 2020. Alphabet has also taken the crown from Apple, surpassing Apple's market cap in 2016. But Apple has been a leader in the markets for some time, being the first US company to hit 1 trillion market cap in 2018, and just two years later, becoming the first US company to hit a 2 trillion market cap. The iPhone is still a massively successful product after all. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that Apple retakes the title of the world's most valuable company sometime soon. You know how they managed to get away with it this quarter? How's that? Their Office 365 servers didn't go down every second day. (laughs) (laughs) That helps, right? (laughs) Hey, look, our customers aren't getting pissed off at us. What do you know? (laughs) They're actually giving us money to buy software. Because it works. <laughs> Remember when you used to have your word processor only installed locally on your computer and it didn't matter if Microsoft went down? Yes, OpenOffice and LibreOffice. Yeah, I remember it well. I still use them. <laughs> I use Google Docs. Um, it use, works when Microsoft is down. <laughs> I use Google Docs for basic stuff. Um, yep. I don't do complicated. I don't trust Google. Although, actually, having said that, Google Docs, even their offline mode is actually pretty decent. Um, you've got to pre-install it. Like, obviously, you can't install it from online if you're offline, but you pre-install Google Docs offline, um, and it doesn't do a half bad job. And then once you reconnect, it resyncs all the data and stuff. Yep. It does a really good job of not overriding existing data. Um, unless you, like, if two people have worked on the same document, yep. it'll do its best to merge them rather than overwrite oh, the right, data. Yeah, nice. that actually does a pretty good job. But... Um, yeah, and I use I use LibreOffice for the most part now over OpenOffice, and the only reason for that is DocX support. 
okay. LibreOffice handles DocX better than OpenOffice. I prefer OpenOffice in a lot of regards for a lot of things, but yep. um, but LibreOffice just just that little, we we do a lot of with our suppliers and stuff. We get a lot of DocX stuff, yep. so it's just that like that literally that one thing. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't use LibreOffice because I'm not a fan of a lot of the way they do stuff. Yeah, but um, I got Dad onto OpenOffice because I upgraded him to one of my computers. And uh, he didn't have a license for Word on that, so mm. couldn't install it. Was on his old computer. I still use out in the shed and stuff like that. Um, if I want to just, because internet's flaky out there, I I have um, actually I still got Windows XP on it. It's an old laptop. It's like it's an old um, IBM ThinkPad, like seven sixty series or something. It's a I think it's a six eight six. It's like a six eight six seven fifty meg or something like that. Yeah. It literally just um it it I have a Excel spreadsheet on it and it has all my I've got a storage system with big drawers and stuff and big roller cabinets and it's literally got the location of all my nuts and bolts and washers. And oh right. And, <laughs> and uh, I didn't do it up. Somebody else did it up, but I borrowed their idea. But that's like yep. all it does is run this Excel document and um. It's yeah, it, it's got Office ninety seven student edition on it, <laughs> and it still goes. And it still, it, it it still just sits there offline and does its thing. And I occasionally use it to play like um, iHeartRadio or something like a radio station. Yeah, like ninety ninety seven three or whatever. I literally just that's it. Like even that stretches it. It's sitting on like ninety five percent CPU, just playing a <laughs> playing a streaming MP three. Suddenly, it starts melting. <laughs> It's, I'm surprised. Like it's, I haven't well, I haven't had a battery in it for 15 years, but it just sits there and plugs along all day. I'd hate yeah. to open up and see how much dust is in there. <laughs> I think it's still got a. It's like a what were they like 6.4 gig or something hard drive? Like it's a tiny hard drive. Yeah, it's not a mechanical drive. It's still the one that came with the old, you know, the old IBM ThinkPad hard drive and. No. So, but yeah, no, it's um, uh, it's gonna be one of those things, isn't it? Really, because you've only got Google, Microsoft, and Apple in that, even remotely, somewhat together in that, you know. So they're always going to be crossing paths. Yep. Trying um, to do each other. And I mean, Apple's, you know, not exactly innovating much at the moment. They're just re-releasing the same thing with a different name. Even was said that recently in an interview. Hmm. Said the new iPhone's exactly the same as the old one. I don't see what's the point. Yeah, it's got like a slightly bigger battery and I think it's a slightly bigger screen. Yeah. I think that's it. It's like literally, bit. like the hardware is basically exactly the same. But having said that, the 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 three-year-old Xiaomi's have got the same hardware that's in the new iPhone. <laughs> so, I mean, com- speed-wise, comparative speed-wise, yep. you look up speed tests on them and then... <laughs> You know, same. <laughs> it's basically the same. I think they added a couple of megapixel, but it's only software interpolation interpolation anyway. Like the sensor's no bigger on the camera, so it's, yeah. the camera's still only a quarter inch sensor, which means it's still realistically only a what's a quarter inch two megapixel? I think it is yeah, sensor, like but it's just software driven to you know overdrive the camera basically. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I don't. I know the screen breaks real easy. Um, one of my oh. one of my reps, 
has had three, three, yeah, went through three in a week. Wow! Like it wasn't even using them. He was going from um, his air conditioned office into the hot car. Yeah, and that was because they're uh, they're still using the aluminium body on them, and it was enough for him to twist and crack the screens. <laughs> he took it back, and the first time they uh, said. And the second time, the third time we took it back, he goes, yes, it's an own fault, and no, we're not replacing it anymore. Wow. You went, no, you don't. You realize you don't actually have a choice. You just admitted it's a known to. fault. Yeah. Um, and they're like, yeah, I know, but we're, we're just told we're not allowed to do it anymore. And he goes, well, so you can say that if you want. So <laughs> I'll see you in court. Yeah. <laughs> too right, too. So the, his, the new one he's got, he hasn't done it, but he's got he's got it in one of those life cases now. You know what? He probably wasn't holding it properly. <laughs> uh, he's got it one of those life cases, you know, the big chunky rubber ones. Yeah, you life actually, life. You actually screw them around the phone and they bolt down. Um, and it hasn't done it since he's put that on. They, the Apple Store actually told him to put one of those on it. Hold it together. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's what it's doing. It's acting like a heat sink, so it's taking the heat away from the phone when in the transition. Yeah. Um, it's now like four times thicker. It's like It's like carrying a pack of cigarettes, but twice as big. <laughs> so he said, "Yeah, doesn't know how long that novel is going to keep up for." No, <laughs> bulky in your pocket too. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's it's horrible. Um, so, but um, nah, you know, actually, it's funny I, to say. I have a little my... silicon case. Yeah, so have I. I've got. That. <laughs> and what I didn't realize these um, the, yeah, they actually come with this silicon case. When you uh, buy a Xiaomi, yep. they don't tell you on the box or on the paperwork or anything. But they come with a silicon case and a screen protector. Nice. Already fitted. Like it's already on the phone when you get it. Right. <laughs> right. I think my um Galaxy S ten did that, but nothing before or after it. No. But all their phones, because a friend of mine bought one the other day, one of the cheaper ones. Yeah. And it's exactly the same. So apparently it's a standard thing with Xiaomi. They all come with a screen protector and a case. That's cool. You need yeah. it. Yeah, it's that's great. I mean I bought a case and a screen protector because I didn't know they came with one. Yeah, and so I've got, a, I've got a spare one sitting over there. But you know. when I got, what is it, the S8 or the S9 or something, the guy in Telstra is like, "Do you want to buy one of our cases?" I said, "No, I'll just get one for about a tenth of the price on eBay. Don't worry about it." Oh yeah, for sure. He's like, "Yeah, everyone does that." But the, Forty dollars for the case, or you can buy it for four dollars. What I don't get it. Why aren't they smart enough to go, "Hey, well, let's buy them for four dollars and sell them for ten. Yeah, at least you'd sell something. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't understand that. We just go to the little phone pop-up shop in the middle of the mall. They've always got stuff. Yeah, I, I nearly got bought one the other day. They had a, a shop. Um, <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah, they um had a uh well, they actually had two that I really liked. One was a old-fashioned cassette, so yep. it made it made it look like it was a Walkman with a cassette inside. <laughs> <laughs> which looked awesome and the other one was and they didn't have it for this phone they only had it for, this fits the samsung case but yep. they had the like look like an x-ray case where the back of it was a photo but it was like the inside of the phone oh right that'd be nice unfortunately <laughs> it was only for samsung so but I, that was pretty cool i got um, the quad lock case and mount for the car and that thing is solid it doesn't mm. come off the windscreen everything else i had did but Again, it's chunky because it's got to have this thick case. And in the end, I just thought I'll leave it. 
that case in the car if I ever go on a long trip and I want to mount it up there I can do that but most of the time I just plug it straight into the car's USB and put it down in the center dash yeah center console mine um you can see I got the magnet pack on the back yep. I found that they um these particular I can't think of the brand off the top of my head but these magnets are so strong and the actual pivot that this goes onto is a magnetic ball so this sits on a flat plate on top and the magnetic ball sits on the holder and you can get full pivot on how you right. to sit. Uh, and it's really, really strong. They use natural earth magnet. Um, so, so, so strong, in fact, that on my other phone, I just decided instead of sticking this on the case, I actually stuck this on the phone and then put the case over the top of it and it still sticks to it. <laughs> nice. Actually, it kind of works better because it acts like a non-slip so it doesn't actually slide off the magnet. Right. Wow. So, but it's funny you should say you know you're holding it wrong. A friend of mine had a, um, a Proton Gen two years ago, and his steering wheel controls for his radio and uh, all that sort of stuff stopped working. Yeah, and the horn and, and all that. His basically his whole steering wheel stopped working, and he went in to get it under warranty. He was only twelve months old or something. Took it in to get it under warranty and said, "Oh, you've been you've been turning the wheel too much." <laughs> what? <laughs> Try uh, going a straight line. <laughs> He's like, um, no, I, I don't think that'll hold up in court. Would you like to fix it now? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they put up a fight. They were determined that it was his fault for turning the wheel too much. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, there's some there's some bright ones around. Speaking of bright ones, Telstra. Are they bright? Well, I wouldn't go that far, I suppose, but you know. <laughs> um, Telstra, uh, they're improving their battery reserves. Now, uh, I'll read the story and then I'll, I'll say. Okay, so basically, Telstra has completed an eight-month project to improve the battery backup of 341 regional mobile towers from three to 12 hours. The Commonwealth government kicked in 11.4 mil for the upgrade. Telco said it moved over 8,600 new battery cells um, following the Black Summer bushfires um, the government said May 2020 would be spending $37 million to improve resiliency. Uh, priorities to provide Australians with better access to reliable communications. Um, where is it? They, their monitoring systems now capture around 100 terabytes of network data each day, which helps us identify potential issues before it affects our regional customers. Um, they're saying that in the... Where is it? I'm just trying to find the particular one. In May 2020, the Australian Communications and Media Authority said that 3% of mobile towers outages during the black summer were due to fire damage, and of the 1,390 total facilities that were impacted by fire outages, only 1% of incidents were directly related to the fire damage. Um, Network nodes were most impacted at infrastructure type, making up 56% of outages with none due to fire damage. Mobile towers had the next highest number of outages, accounting for 36%. They weren't fire damaged. They all lost power. Oh, right. Um, they didn't have enough power. They only have, apparently, and I don't know when this changed because <clears throat> I know when Dad used to work with Telecom back in the day, all the exchanges had to have 24 hours reserve power. Oh, okay. Um, for safety reasons. Yeah. You know, because obviously you get a you get a um, you know, a fire or a flood come through, you're not going to pick up the phone in the next five minutes and make a phone call. You're going to wait till it's safe. So yeah. a lot of them had a 24-hour 
Um, was it 12 hour or 24 hour? No, it was... It was 12 hour for, for rural and 24 hour for regional, for um, city and I think... It was some, something like that anyway. Basically, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was close. I'm, I'll, I'll say 24 hours. So, yeah. So, like, you know, once the floodwaters go down or once the fire passes, you can find a functioning phone, pick up the phone, make a phone call, that sort of stuff. Um, but what I found interesting is that apparently since the age of technology, you know, with internet and phone and all the stuff that's traveling over comms towers, all the all the um, emergency services use um, their, their radio. They've got normal two-ways that work within a normal way a two-way works, but they also have uh, their long-distance radios that use power lines and phone lines and things like that as their aerials, and they transmit data across those. Um, but it's interesting that they only had a three-hour backup. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't understand when that became a thing because as, as far as I was aware, it was always legislated as, as 12 or 24 hours I had to provide backup for. Now it is again. Um, well, no, it's only three hours. I'm like, well, three hours isn't really that much. No. I mean, our substation down here went down for like 12 hours. Yeah. And our phone tower half an hour later stopped working <laughs> so we had no internet because the substation was down and had no phone reception because the mobile tower went down oh. it's like well <laughs> you know um so anyway i just thought that was interesting that yeah they they really haven't put that much effort into maintaining um power to these things which i would have thought they're saying that they've got more than 10,900 mobile network sites that require power and power requirements of these sites are enormous. A typical regional mobile site uses the same amount of power as over 60 family-sized refrigerators operating 24-7. Which I get, but they make generators that can run entire towns for a week without being needed to be touched. So <laughs> it's kind of not really an excuse. No. Like when our substation went down here, they had a one semi-generator yep. operating for two weeks. I think it was before the substation went in. Yeah. And it just sat there and did its thing for two weeks. And I don't even think they put fuel in it. I think it had enough fuel to run. It was only running at like 30% capacity for Rosewood. It's not a big town. Yeah. Um, and it just sat there and did its thing. Like, so there's the fact they're saying that they need so much power. Like, that's not that much power. <laughs> no. 60 family-sized refrigerators. I could do a quick calculation. Uh, it'd be six... Uh, six thousand. That's twelve thousand watt hours. That's not a lot of power. You you can even provide that with solar on without too much effort. Um, you know, like it's yeah, it's kind of a bit of a lame excuse, really. They don't have solar on these towers. Apparently not. Wow. Because you know they're not like they're sitting up in the sun all day. Yeah. You know exactly. <laughs> Even if the battery started going down during the day, it fills it back up again. Yeah, you know, they've only got to operate overnight, and then they can rely on. And I mean, most of these turbine, the te- turbines, most of these towers are so high up in there, they they could put a turbine on them as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's pure bad planning. It's all it is. I think what's happened over the years, they've added more and more and more load to these things. Yeah. Um, and they just haven't bothered to actually increase the backup to go with it. You know, so uh, it's we'll see. Suck, sucks it'll dry in three hours. Well, one hour. Now it's oh. going to be three, but uh, that, as I said, that's you know, 
Oh, sorry, it was three. Now it's going to be twelve. So, yep. uh, so twelve really still isn't enough. No. Um, especially given like if power went out at, say it goes out just after tea. So so six o'clock, everyone goes to bed early at seven. Yep. And they wake up in the morning when the sun comes up at six. They still haven't got power. No. And then they can't find out what's going on because you now the, t- the towers are flat too. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, 12 hours is not enough. It, it, they should be at least 24 hours power back up. Yeah. No. They should get some solar from this BCI thing down here. Uh, yeah, I you mean, could supply all of the Telstra towers. and. I absolutely could. I could do it. Be big job, but I could certainly do it. <laughs> But, I mean, I'm not saying I, I need to do it, but I'm saying somebody who knows what they're doing needs to get in there and do it because part of the problem, too, I've discovered with them, um, not well, not the problem, but what they need to do a lot of the time is break them down into two separate areas because a lot of them the a lot of them have, well, just about all of them are air-conditioned. Yep. Um, and um, so there's, there's two separate power requirements. There's a power requirement that the actual equipment requires to operate and then there's the power requirement the air conditioning to keep the equipment cool requires to operate Mm. um you know and like i get that you need to run that well what they do is they run the air conditioner 24 7 but surely there'd have to be a compromise where you know you could figure out if you run the air conditioner for half an hour and turn it off for an hour you know, just enough to keep the stuff from melting. It's not going to, you, you know, for a day, it's not going to affect it long term. Yeah, yeah. You know, even most server rooms will run without air conditioning for a couple of days <coughs> before they get super heat soaked and, you know, cause problems. Yeah. So, no. Anyway. The Commonwealth Bank has announced that it will become Australia's first bank to offer customers the ability to buy, sell, and hold crypto assets directory through the ComBank app. CBA is partnered with the, one of the world's largest regulated crypto exchanges and custodians, Gemini, and leading blockchain anal- analysis firm, Chainalysis. Both partnerships have allowed the bank to design a crypto exchange and custody service that will be offered to customers through a new feature in the app. The pilot will start in the coming weeks and CBA intends to progressively roll out more features to more customers in 2022. CBA will provide customers with access to up to 10 selected crypto assets, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, Bitcoin Cash, and Litecoin. Research from CBA has found a large number of its customers want to access crypto assets as an investment class and are already buying, selling, and holding crypto assets through a variety of crypto exchanges. CBA CEO said the emergence and growing demand for digital currencies from customers creates both challenges and opportunities for the financial services sector, which has seen a significant number of new players and business models innovating in this area. We believe we can play an important role in crypto to address what's clearly a growing customer need and provide capability, security and confidence in crypto trading platform. In looking at ways they can support our we can support our customers, we've made the strategic decision to form an exclusive partnership in Australia with Gemini, a global leader with strong security and a track record of serving large institutions. CBA will leverage Gemini's crypto exchange and custody service and integrate it into the ComBank app through APIs. It's getting more and more legitimate, isn't it? People can't keep saying it's just a fad. No, no, that's one tax for it. Yeah. 
I'll have to track it through the Combank app and taxi on that. Yeah. Oh, it could be all right. I have to um, sort of... No, I don't like Combank Bank. Though. I was a customer of theirs for a while, but I don't like them. <laughs> I don't no. like... <laughs> As much as I'd like to check, go and check it out and see what it does, but I just don't want to be involved with Commonwealth Bank. <laughs> People yeah. who do use it because they have to. Look, I think it's, I'm, I'm not surprised, and given that many banks around the world have done something similar, it was only a matter of time. Um, instead of working it against you, work it in your favour. You know, if you're even if you're only passing money through your bank account to trade crypto. They're still making money on the interest, even if it, you know. You got to think if you've got, let's say, I don't know, let's say you got a million customers who only pass, you know, they pass a few thousand dollars a day through the app to trade in now. Even if that money is only there for a few seconds, the amount of interest you got to be earning on that's stupid. Yeah. You know, yeah. a few hundred million dollars for a few minutes a day—that's that's decent interest. They um, they have a lot of um, FPOS devices, don't they? They could integrate this into. They could. Uh, I mean, I see a device called Albert or something. Oh, uh, they've got they've got a couple of different ones. Um, they've only just sort of embraced the card, the um, ZipPay and Afterpay tap and go sort of technology. So. In theory, yes, absolutely, they could. It would be super simple. In reality, <laughs> I don't know if they want to if they want to be responsible for that because, as I was saying before, like we do Australia Coin and stuff like that. I take a lot of crypto, but I've actually got Australia Coin FPOS terminal. Mm. Um, you know, I personally, I I do Doge and do Litecoin and whatever I do all those. So I accept all those, but. The, the FPOS term was actually registered through the business. Now, I haven't done enough transactions yet to know how it works. Yep. But my understanding is that at that time that you make the transaction, regardless of what the... The, the FPOS adds a buffer into the transaction of whichever way the coin was trending. So if the coin was, coin was trending up, it buffers up. If the coin was trending down, it buffers down. So yep. that if it does move during the transaction, it's a, it sort of tries to account for that. Um, I don't know if the Commonwealth Bank wants to be like real time associated with that. It's different trading in the app because it's just pulling figures from a, from a database. Yeah. But when your FPOS machine has to go through the process and actually you know do that, I don't know if they want to be involved in that side of it. They should talk to Australia. Yeah. Uh, he should be coming on soon too. Hopefully, get him on in a couple. Sweet. Hopefully, some. I think you said some point this month. With any yep. luck, we'll get him on and have a chat. Um, but uh, yeah, look, it's, I mean, it, it was bound to happen. They, they can't keep. They can't keep trying to debunk a system that clearly works. I mean, yep. there's the. It's it's no more. It's probably. They keep calling it a baseless currency, but in reality, it's probably got more base to it than what the Australian dollar does. Yeah. The Australian dollar is a baseless currency. It's got no gold against it. It's got nothing against it. It's literally only it's only worth what it's worth because you're told it's worth that. It, yeah. It's actually a worthless currency. Um, whereas crypto is backed against uh, reward versus effort. Like it, 
it doesn't have a some of them do for the most part they don't have a physical uh backing structure but they do certainly have a, a legitimate backing structure mm. um no no we'll see would be curious to see how it goes and see if any other banks decide to yeah hope so. sort of embrace that or, or what the deal is it's the future but speaking of crypto <gasps> squid games because that's the thing <laughs> i haven't watched it have you no doesn't my daughter me. has. Oh, yeah, I've got my friends okay. have watched it and they keep saying, Yeah, you got to watch it. I'm just like, Yeah. No, no, we'll see. <laughs> it doesn't really interest me that much, to be honest. But uh, it's a big thing. It's all over the place. Like, you see it everywhere. You can't get away from it at the moment. And the memes. Oh, oh the memes. The... There's so many of them. Some I'm of getting them. the memes just from what my daughter has told <laughs> oh, me about. No. I'm like, Oh, okay. I understand. I know that. that uh, old Asian guy. Yeah, he's in a lot of those. Yeah, some of them are actually funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, a cryptocurrency project based on Squid Game has allegedly pulled an exit scam <coughs> with millions of dollars stolen from investors. Popular trends, wherever they're meme coins, desired products, or popular television shows, including the Netflix Squid Games core, can all be hijacked by criminals who want to jump on the bandwagon. Uh, the same can be s- the um, the same can be said for Squid Games crypto. A project was promised investors pay to play online games based on the television series in which contestants were made to play lethal games for prize money. Uh, it should be noted that Squid Game's cryptocurrency project is not associated with television series Netflix or its creators. The online game was set to launch in November and would cost Squid Tokens to play. However, less than two weeks after Squid Tokens were launched, having reached a peak of over $2,852, the coin has now completely crashed and is currently worth uh, 0.03%. On November 1, investors who had previously enjoyed seeing the coin rise from one cent to levels far beyond its original price on PancakeSwap found out they were unable to sell their tokens. According to CoinMakerCap, an anti-dumping mechanism that was imposed on the project's developers meant they couldn't sell. Investors were unable to move the tokens and development went silent. As of now, Squid's project website squidgram.cash is inaccessible and Twitter now displays a warning on Squid's Twitter account citing unusual activity as the reason for its suspension. This is a known rug pull, or this is a known known as a rug pull or an exit scam, in which investors' funds are moved elsewhere and developers vanish, often leading to a coin's value to tank. In a Telegram channel linked to the project, the administrator said, "Someone is trying to hack our project these days. Not only the Twitter account GoGo Squid Game, but also our smart contract. We're trying to protect it, but the price is still abominable." Squid Game Dev does not want to continue running this project as they're depressed from the scammers and overwhelmed stress. Um, we have to remove all the restrictions and the transaction rules of Squid Game. Squid will Squid Game will enter a new stage of community autonomy. Sorry again for any inconvenience being made. If any strange starts coming out of it, ignore that. Thanks. Gizmodo estimates the investor losses have reached three point three million dollars. Yikes! Uh, in other Squid Game news. TA575 threat actor fire threat actors have been linked to a campaign to exploit the popularity of the television show Spread Droidex Malware. Ah. So, yeah. Um, don't click on links you don't know. Yeah. It's funny, I was looking at the squid, the squid, squid coins, squid tokens, whatever they are, when they come out. Yep. I'm like, oh, they're a cent. be worth spending that, you know, 100 bucks on them. And they went to like yeah twenty five hundred bucks. I'm like, damn it! I wish I had spent twenty five. <laughs> yeah, you know, I wish I had spent a hundred bucks on them because it, 
And then they, like, literally an hour after I looked at that, they went to nothing. I'm like, okay. Oh. <laughs> I, feel <better. laughs> I feel better now. <laughs> I was reading there was an article. This guy had bought a ton of Doge a year or so ago. And then um, he sold it all out last week just before it went on a big surge again. He's like, oh, I should have kept it. But he got a few mil out of it. So he bought a house and all that sort of stuff. So it go it was again? okay. But he was like, I could have got like five times that if I had waited a bit more. Did it go up again? Damn it. Yeah. Thanks for that. I just sold a shitload. I just bought a lot. <laughs> 35. Oh, no. What did it go to? Hang on, let's have a look over the last week. 40. I only went to 44. It's only 10 cents. Yeah. That's not. Yeah, he bought like 20,000 of them yeah. when they were nothing. But what really annoys me is I bought them at 3 cents a share. Mm-hmm. Then they went up to 93 cents a share. And I thought, and that was, well, I remember going to bed and they were like 85 and they're still climbing. I went, oh, in the morning I'll sell them. And they went at like midnight up to like 93 cents. And then by the time I'd woken up, they'd gone back down to like 70. (laughs) (laughs) Went, damn it. And then Uh, I went, oh, I can't remember my detail. I'll I'll get to work and I'll sell them when I get to work because it's on the work computer. And I got into work and they're down to 35. I went, damn it, Uh, sell. (laughs) (laughs) Just sell. Get out while you can. I still come out in front because I only paid three cents for them. So I still come out in front. But still, it was like, you know, I lost two thirds of what I could (laughs) have. (laughs) but uh crypto is like that it really you know apparently it was because elon musk had posted i'm thinking of starting a new university texas institute of technology and service tits (laughs) the uh merchandise is gonna be a big seller (laughs) so when he said that suddenly doge went yeah, I mean, I can, he's been responsible for more doze spikes and crashes than anybody else, I think. <laughs> uh, well, but I mean, well, even, um, what's their other well, his one? Cars are, his cars are sexy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's the other one? Shibu, the rip-off of Shiba doze? Inu. It's gone stupid. Yes, I'm very happy about that. <laughs> I mean, it's still cheap. Like, I say gone stupid, like it's still fractions of a cent per coin, but it's gone from... Um, where are we? A month ago, it was like point zero 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 two, and then like a few days ago, it was point zero 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 one. So it's gone up like a thousand percent. No, what's that? A hundred percent? No, a thousand percent in like a week. It's All on, right, it's on, good. It's on its way down a bit now, but um, even now, it's still. Like a like a hundred percent up on what it was, <laughs> so. But it's so funny. They are literally unbacked coins, and everyone goes, "Oh, there's no back." Well, they they don't have banking. They're literally completely unbacked. There was, yep. oh, I don't know if I want to look it up. There was a pancake coin. Um, and we're mucking around, we're cooking pancakes. Oh no, cake. Yeah, pan- yeah, pancake, pancake swap. <laughs> oh, damn it, I should have bought it. It's come up big, has it? Yeah. I was looking at it, and it was... Um, oh, well, relatively speaking, I mean, 
it was quite relatively expensive. It was $23 a share when I was looking at it. And it's gone up to $28 a share. Oh, right. So, I mean, this is the thing. You buy a coin that's fractions, you know, fractions on the dollar. And it hasn't got to move much and you make a heap of money on it. But you buy a coin that's already expensive and it's got to move a lot before you notice the difference. That's weird. I mean, Bitcoin is like a standard, but if you buy it now, it's it's not going to be a hundred times its current value by the end of the year. No. Probably not even ten times. And when I look at crypto, and if I am looking at buying something, which occasionally I do, I just randomly get bored and think, oh yeah, I'll just go and buy something. And I look at coins that have almost no value. Um, You know, like at the moment, if I was going to buy something, let me see. Uh, something like SLP, Smooth Love Potion. All right. So it is a week ago, it was eight cents a coin. Yep. And as of now, it's 12 cents a coin. Ah. Uh, so the thing is, you buy 100 shares, it was, you know, it was $8. And now that's it was sorry eighty dollars, and now it's um, hundred and twenty dollars. Oh. So you know it, it hasn't moved that much per coin, but because it's so cheap, you buy more, and it makes it a bigger impression when it when it does move. Yeah. So you know, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, there's no, there's no. Um, Secret to Bitcoin trading, it's it's pure ass. Like that's it. They're, they're, yeah, it's <laughs> that's all luck. <laughs> it is literally all luck. There's absolutely no winning formula to it. Doesn't matter what anybody says. It's right place, right time. Yeah. You know, it's it's um like this one here. This is Holo, and it was it was one point. It was one point one cent a week ago. And now it's nearly three cents. Yeah. So that's tri- tripled. tripled in price. But the thing is, if you bought a hundred dollars worth, you know, you've now got three hundred dollars worth in a week. Yeah. You know. So anyway, that's just something that's interesting. <laughs> uh, what else you got for us? Australia's billion-dollar gaming industry is about to boom, with three major states vying to be a gaming Silicon Valley. In the latest PwC Entertainment and Media Outlook report, the gaming industry had continued its growth in 2020. In 2019, Australians spent $3.175 billion on video games and exports. This grew by about 8% in 2020, with revenue expected to top $3.4 billion. However, a key government change will act like jet fuel for the industry. Earlier this year, the federal government announced a digital games tax offset, which is a scheme that grants gaming businesses earning more than $500,000 a 30% offset. This will come into effect in July 22, and some states have followed the trend. South Australia, New South Wales and Victoria are now offering an additional 10% for game developers in their states. Queensland is the latest to jump on board, offering 15% to developers in the Sunshine State. The announcement has prompted some Brisbane developers to double the amount of their staff ahead of the boom. 
Game Life Studio Manager Dylan Miklashek told us the announcement will catch the eye of major international game developers in the industry, which earns about $250 billion each year. It's a game changer, an absolute game changer, he said. We knew both the federal and state government had been looking at it. We we're hoping that Queensland would contribute a significant amount. Places like Montreal, which is one of the biggest game developer ecosystems, has a similar deal for 45%. Queensland's capital was fast becoming Australia's gaming capital at this time. Brisbane was a massive part of the country's gaming industry. There were four major studios, each with over 200 staff pushing out games. The global financial crisis ended that and the local economy hasn't recovered. There's some big developers and studios in Melbourne, but I believe the 45% offering will drag people to Brisbane. Australia's gaming industry is expected to grow to be a $5 billion industry by 2025, and it also earns more than the combined amount of video streaming services like Netflix and Stan. It's interesting. I was reading an article uh, earlier in the week saying that, like, Netflix... Um, no, who the one... Is it, there's Roku and a couple others are still using their own boxes. Yep. Um, and they're their growth has outweighed their ability to keep servicing people with wow, boxes. that's too popular. So, because obviously the chip shortage. Um, so, like, uh, they've, yeah, they're really struggling. Like, they, they want, <laughs> they've had to basically stop sign-ups because they just can't deliver the hardware. Yeah. Um, I think Roku said it's cost them something like 20,000 or 25,000 customers um, in this quarter because they can't. There's there's no hardware available. I'll have to so, see how much my Roku box would go for on eBay. Yeah, well, I mean that's the thing too. Um, but it does beg the question though. Things like you know even Foxtel and and whatever. Um, do they have enough of a reserve? Or do they have? You know, are they going to have similar issues? Well, the Telstra TV is rebranded branded Roku. Mm. So if Roku can't do it, Telstra's not going to get it from Roku. It can't do it. No, I've got an old Roku. I've got an old Telstra box. Actually, I tried to, uh, I tried to Rokuify it with the Roku firmware and ditch the Telstra part of it. Yep. Because they nerf some of the. So, like you can't. They're good at that. <laughs> yeah, like you couldn't run. Um, I think it was Amazon. A couple of the apps wouldn't install. Because yep. it saw it as a Telstra box instead of a Roku box, and you couldn't run it through a VPN because it wouldn't work. Uh. So you couldn't watch American stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen. Um, and given now that America's spending so much money on hardware swapping over, f- getting rid of all their Xiaomi and uh, Huawei um, routers and switches and hubs and all that sort of stuff, um, it's going to be interesting to see what options there's going to be for the consumer. Like if we need to get new modems or routers or switches or hubs and stuff like that, you know, if they're swapping out tens of thousands of them. Where are they getting the replacements from? Surely they can't, there can't be that much backlog of commercial routers floating around. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I have to admit though, I did notice prices even going up a while, even a month or so, two months ago, I was trying to buy a PoE, a power over ethernet, um, hub yeah, more than 8 port like 8 port ones aren't too bad they're everywhere but you want more than 8 ports 
Yep. They're really hard to get. You're really limited in what options you have. And not only were the prices stupid expensive, um, so many of them were sold out. Oh, okay. So I think because um, obviously the gigabit as well because for video cameras you want higher throughput. Um, but it, I had ended up having to get something out of um, uh, where did it come from? It actually came from New Zealand. That's right. I couldn't find anything in Australia that <laughs> that would suit what I wanted to do, and I was getting one out of New Zealand. But it and that was when did I do the cameras? Like three months ago, something like yep. that. That was then having trouble getting the hardware. So I'd hate to think Worst what it's now. like now. Yeah. So, you've still got that other story? No, that's all mine. Oh, you didn't do the Facebook one. I left that for you. I said you can have it. Dang it. <laughs> now you, I swapped out the Microsoft now you've, one. you've wrecked my segue. Womp Fine. Womp. <laughs> I'll do it then. Sad Mr. T noises. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. Where is the... Um, so I've got the Clearview, um, what have I done? I have completely and utterly done the things. Clearview, there we go. (laughs) Clearview is an AI. Um, for those who don't know, it's been operating a secret for a while. I finally come public with it a while back and told people what it was doing. It was taking everybody's photo matching it up but what it was doing was scraping sites facebook uh, youtube instagram etc and it was uh doing this without permission of not only the people the people's photos and faces it was using but also site owners um it was scraping data off their sites without their permission either uh. but the uh Despite uncovering Clearview's AI intrusive practices, Australia's Information Commissioner conceded that the number of Australians who have their biometric information scraped by the company was unknown. Australia's Information Commissioner has found Clearview, Clearview AI breached Australia's privacy laws on numerous fronts. Fronts? Fronts. After a bilateral investigation uncovered the company's facial recognition tool collected Australian sensitive information without consent and by unfair means. An investigation conducted by the Office of Australian Information Commissioner and the UK Information Commissioner's Office, ICQ, why is it ICQ? It should be ICO, anyway. Found that uh, Clearview's AI facial recognition tool scraped biometric information from the web indiscriminately and has collected data on at least 3 billion people. Wow. Uh, they also found some of Australian's police agency users um, who were Australian residents and trained Trial the, tool, trial the tool search and identified images of themselves as well as colleagues, uh, undercover officers and people in witness protection. Jeez, that's terrible. <laughs> By considering these factors together, Australia's Information Commissioner Angeline Falk concluded that Clearview has breached Australia's privacy laws, you think, <laughs> and collecting Australia's sensitive information without consent and by unfair means. <coughs> Uh, she explained that consent was not provided, even though facial images are affected Australians already available online. As Clearview AI intent in collecting this biometric data was ambiguous, I consider the act of uploading an image to a social media site does not unambiguously indicate an agreement for collection of image data. 
Consent also cannot be implied if individuals are not adequately informed about the implications of providing its data. Um, other breaches were also that uh, Clearview failed to take reasonable steps to either notify individuals of the collection of personal information or to ensure that the personal information was accurate or secure. She also slammed the company for not taking reasonable steps to implement practices, procedures and systems to ensure compliance with Australian privacy principles. They're not that hard. We don't have that many. So you think that, you know, wouldn't, they must be doing something real major. <laughs> yeah. Um, these breaches were due to a clear view removing access to an online form for Australians to opt out. The form itself also contained privacy issues as it required Australians to submit valid email address and an image of themselves, which would then be converted to an image vector which would allow Clearview to collect additional information about them. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so by opting out, you're providing them more data. Yeah. Um, so after making these findings, Falkers ordered Clearview to destroy existing biometric information. Yeah, good luck with that. As collected from Australia. She's also ordered the company to cease collecting facial images. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> um, so yeah, so... That's a, it goes on and on. But yeah, they've... They discovered everything, obviously, from kids' pictures to, yeah, to uh, undercover officers to um, uh, special um, witness protection. Uh, witness protection, but um, like uh, private security that requires anonymity and anonymity and requires not being known <laughs> um, to. Um, you know, to do your job, obviously protecting a celebrity or whatever, you can't, you can't have your, you can't have your security guards known because if the security guards are known, then they know who the celebrity is. Yeah. Um. So all this sort of stuff, they've, they've, um, they haven't mentioned anything about what the fines are at this stage, um, and whether I mean, let's face it, realistically, most of it's probably um pocket change anyway given what this data is actually worth yeah um so we'll see how that sort of pans out over a while but it's interesting that um i'm just trying to find the story quickly to 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 confirm what i think it says but i i can't find the story at the moment um but basically um, there was an article about the so Palaget's father is the chairman or something of the Queensland DNA collection thingy company where they basically all the swabs that get used go there and they get the DNA collected off them for archival purposes and for studying or whatever but apparently they're in bed in some to some degree with this Clearview AI all oh, right. So not only do they have your digital biometrics, but they also have your physical biometrics. Mm. Um, so nothing could come of that. That's any problem, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and on the AI side of things, Facebook shutting down its facial recognition software. Software. Wow. <coughs> shutting Get down its late. facial syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> Um, affecting over a billion people. The company will delete all of its face... Again, not likely. The company says it will delete all of its face scan data, critical societal concerns and regulatory uncertainty. 
Facebook will shut down its face recognition system this month. Uh, the face scan data of more than 1 billion users. Um, more than one third of the app's daily active users had opted into its facial recognition setting. There are many concerns about the place of facial recognition technology in society and regulators. Uh, in this ongoing uncertainty, we believe is limiting the use of facial recognition to a narrow set of cases appropriate. Uh, so yada yada yada, crap crap crap. But basically, the um, this trial from Clearview has probably got something to do with it. Plus the fact too that uh, they had. Um, I'm trying to see if I can find. I'm trying to go through the I had this article highlighted and somebody said he was going to do it and then he didn't do it and now I don't have the article highlighted anymore yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in here they're basically saying that there was a, a judge approved $650 million settlement class action lawsuit involving Facebook's use of facial recognition technology and photo tagging feature um, in Illinois it goes against the because um, it was the scans were taken without the user's consent and violated Illinois Biometric Information Privacy Act which regulates facial recognition, fingerprint, and other biometric techniques, technologies. Um, it was also planning on building facial recognition in the software, facial recognition software into products such as the smart glasses, for example. Uh, facial recognition, for example, could be used to identify the name of people you can't remember, but the company's employees raise concerns that technology could be abused by stalkers, etc. So basically, it's the same stuff as Clearview. It's all um, it's all how this how it's being used. Uh, it's I mean, let's not you know sugarcoat it. The government's been tracking people through facial recognition for years. Mm. There's a reason they've got four thousand cameras, you know, in cities and stuff like that. Especially England. England's way ahead of the game because everything's cameras over there. But um, they do it here. They do it everywhere as well. But there was one study that had uh, one study had twenty eight members of Congress um, that were incorrectly matched. <laughs> so it doesn't say where this was. It's in the states. It says there was um, the technology is prone to mistakes involving people of color. In one study, 28 members of Congress, roughly 40% of whom were people of color, were incorrectly matched with arrest mugshots and screened as part of a test. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, so yeah, and there's another one. The only, the only um, positive use I saw come from it was they use it for... I can't find it in this article. It might have been a different article I was reading. But they use it for their, their software they use for people who are blind. Mm -hmm. So if somebody who's blind is using like Facebook and they scroll across a photo, it uses the facial recognition to identify the people in that photo so that they can see who's in the or see uh, who's in that yeah. photo. Um, so it does, I mean, obviously there is some positive that comes out of it, but you know, that, that was used by approximately between 1% and 3% of their users. So, it's... Not that much, anyway. You know, realistically. Um, <laughs> although, if you've got a billion users, I mean, 1% of your billion users, that's still 100 million, you know, 100... <laughs> is that? Or 10 million. 10 million people that are using it, so... Yep. Yeah, still a good whack. That's still a decent chunk of people, but yeah. So, it looks like AI has been... Um, Put on the back burner for a while. Mm. 
Not necessarily a bad thing, but... Facial recognition stuff. Yeah. It is interesting, though. We're we're such a rush. And it kind of reminds me of the whole phone thing. We're in such a rush to go, you know, to go smaller and smaller screens and and tinier and tinier phones. And then we went, hey, hang on a minute. Actually, if they're bigger, they're more useful. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of the Back thing with the other way. It's kind of the thing with the AI. They're like, oh, we need to put AI in this, or we need to put AI in that, and this has to be facial recognition, and this has to be biometric, and this has to be fingerprint scanner, and this has to be voice recognition. And well, yeah. wait, actually, none of that actually works. Um, let's just stop doing it for a while. Yeah. Did you get? <coughs> excuse me. Did you get the email from Google saying that come November? I want to say middle of November, sometime. Uh, 2FA is going to be compulsory on their Gmail. No, I haven't got that. Yeah, I got one the other day and Song got one the other day as well. Oh. Apparently all Gmail by the end of the month is going to be um, yeah, compulsory 2FA. Whether you want it or not. That's going to suck. You've had so much trouble I, with 2FA. I have constant problems with it. Even at work, some of the software we use is, is 2FA now. Yep. Um, and it's just endless trouble. Because of the way they design the 2FA software, you can't have multiple people using the same um, the same login on different computers. Mm. Because every time you log in from a different computer, even though you click the don't ask me again for 30 days, yeah. if you then log in with the same credentials on another computer, it resets that and resets the one you're back on. So literally every time you log in on every computer you log into... You either have to go through the authentication app or you have to answer your security questions every time you log in. Wow, it's too much. It's just so it's it's so time consuming and so annoying. And we're not the only ones that do it. I noticed I was in a business the other day. They have the answers to the authentication questions stuck on the monitor, <laughs> so that whoever uses the computer can answer the can questions. <laughs> and you've got like five programs. So there's like these five sticky notes across the bottom of the monitors with all these different. <laughs> Answers to questions on them. But it's going back, I mean, that used to be a thing back in the day. Yep. You know, you used to have a an analog, well, it was, I guess early digital, but cash register, and they were so known to freezing or locking up or being stupid that there was two ways in it. One was a key, then you're only given two unique keys to most registers, and the managers generally had those, so you couldn't actually open the register. 99% of registers, especially if they're NCR or something like that, they had a till-release button underneath the register. You could tilt the register to the side, flick the release button, and pop the drawer open. Right. Because they knew that the software was so prone to being a problem that they'd give you a bypass. Backdoor. So all, all it meant was that everybody either had a key stuck to the screen that was the way to open it, or everybody in the company knew you could just lift the register up and flick the, the drawer release. <laughs> it's exactly the same thing now. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's changed. Still terrible. <laughs> There's still sticky notes everywhere with the back door key written on it. You know, like it's <laughs> in some respects it's worse. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're forcing you into these situations that if you've got multiple users on multiple uh systems, or even if you've got the same user across multiple but using different computers, you have to implement that because um Actually, interesting on a Linus Tech. I don't. That's funny. I don't watch Linus much, but for some reason I seem to find a lot of. Well, I watch him a lot. He's usually on somebody else's show. I think at the time, and he just happened to be on there. But he was saying that they were doing. They had a Android set up with the uh, to the key, the um, Google key thing software. Yeah. 
and they were using TeamViewer to log into that phone remotely so that the people at home, because they only had one, because you can only have one device with the 2FA software on it. So they had this at the workshop with TeamViewer on it so that people, when they had to log into the back end of the website, they could log into the phone through TeamViewer to get the 2FA code to log into their... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, and he's running a business with 20 or 30 employees and they're all forced to have to log in to the phone through TeamViewer. Yeah. And if somebody else was on there trying to get it at the same time, well, too bad. Yeah. <laughs> or somebody forgets to log out and you're screwed, you know. Stuff, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Doesn't work. Anyway, enough Thanks, of me. Thanks, Google. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Head Show. We can be found at Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Patreon, and Coffee. Email us, will or walk, at aussietechheads.com.au and go to Aussie Tech Radio 24-7 playback of tech-related shows. See you next time. Bye. Piggy, piggy, coin, 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 I'm a pig. Can I get piggies in the chat?